Train, eat, repeat. The knowledge and know-how you need to live well. Here's your host, Tyler Ferrand. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Train, Eat, Repeat podcast. Can you believe... It is almost July 4th. Um, Time just seems to keep on rolling by. And man, is it freaking hot out. Uh, I believe it's supposed to be in the 90s all week here in Michigan. And just looking at the weather across the country, I'm sure most of you are noticing just warmer temperatures in general. So hopefully you're going to be out there enjoying it, uh, even with the COVID restrictions and everything else going on inside outside of our world. Uh, hopefully you'll be able to get out, enjoy it a little bit, spend time with family, friends. Maybe you're going to be at a beach or on a lake. Uh, but just get out and enjoy the nice weather as we head into really the, the dog days of summer and into August. So I wanted to thank you guys so much for the uh, response that I got from last week's podcast talking about the three health and wellness myths that I believe to be true. Obviously, I know they're not true now. But very curious, I haven't heard from uh, a few of you in terms of what myths are still out there that you're unsure about, and hopefully I can clear those up for you. Make sure you guys tune in next week. I am going to be sitting down with author uh, and fellow trainer Nadia Cavallini, uh, really great person, um, and she has some really cool things in the work. Um, she's a blogger. Also, she will be working with one of the local school districts to educate them on being proactive with their health. So can't wait for you to hear that. And that will be on next week's podcast. What are we going to be covering today? Just in case you want to jump around a little bit in our training topic today, we're going to be talking about how to make simple exercises more challenging. So I know there are still a lot of you that might be in lockdown or maybe you've fallen in love with working out at home. It's provided you some freedom. Also in terms of like childcare too, you want to be able to squeeze in a good workout. So how can we make the those simple exercises, and we talked a little bit about what your programming should look like on last week's podcast, how can we make those a little bit more challenging? Around nutrition, so around 4th of July, one of the things that typically comes with it are family gatherings and and alcohol just happens to be one of those things that we do somewhat socially. And so I want to talk about the effect of alcohol and what effect it has on your metabolism, what effect it has on your hormones, and also what health benefits we can gain from alcohol consumption and what that looks like. And then in our repeat, or or basically our practices, in the past I've talked about the importance of quiet time and your ability to take time out of each day to sort of set your focus for whatever that day is going to bring for you and how that will allow you to sort of tackle the different struggles and obstacles that you come up against. I have a brand new tactic that you guys can add into your quiet time in the morning and I can't wait to share that with you. As always, please make sure after this podcast, if you have a chance, go on to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, leave a review and let me know what you guys think. So let's jump right into things and and talk in our training topic today about how to make simple exercises more challenging. Because I feel like a lot of times we've talked about how you will reach a certain plateau point where the same workout is not going to elicit new or different results. And that's just how the body works. You need to push it outside of its comfort zone in order for you to be able to see uh, sustainable and long-lasting results. So we talked about a couple weeks ago 
All right, so we know we need to focus on compound movements. So those would be like your squats, your deadlifts, your overhead press, your pull-ups, your rows, core work, rotational core work. Those are the basics that we should all start with. So what are some ways, you know, maybe I don't have a lot of weights to work with, or maybe I need just a way to make it a little bit harder. So one of the ways that you can make these movements more challenging is to control your tempo. And so your tempo essentially is how fast either or slow your eccentric or your lowering portion of the movement is compared to your concentric movement. So majority of muscle damage which in this case, muscle damage is a good thing, barring there's no pain, but we have to damage the tissue in order for it to heal or recover and then get stronger, for it to adapt. And so in this case, muscle tissue does much better in terms of being under tension for a longer period of time in order to adapt and get stronger. So in this case, let's talk about like a squat as an example. So you would do a four second lowering phase. Okay, so if you're starting in a standing position, we're in that neutral good position, and you start to go down into that squat, you wouldn't hit your bottom position in that squat, which is thighs parallel to the floor, until you hit that four second count. So by slowing down your body, whether you're doing it with body weight or you're doing it with free weights, that's going to allow you to tap into that muscle tissue or put that muscle tissue under more tension over a period of time, which then thus creates more muscle damage. Then you would have a slight pause at the bottom and then come back up on a one or two count. So that's just one example, but you can obviously apply that to any movement that you're doing. Just make sure though that you're not gonna get out of position because remember, we're never training to failure unless your goal is to uh, do a powerlifting competition or it's fit into your uh, programming, but very infrequently and almost never would you wanna go take an exercise to failure because failure is when form starts to break down and we start to compensate to uh, start to compensate to get that form corrected. The other thing you can do to increase the uh, challenge the challenge on these exercises is to play with your rest times a little bit. And so in an ideal sense, the heavier the weight that you're using or more intense of the exercise that you're doing, the more rest you're going to need in between sets in order to uh, have your central nervous system recover so that you can bounce readily right back and, and give it your all in that next set. But what you could do is try playing with your rest times a little bit. So maybe if you have the exact same work on, let's say you're resting for a minute and a half, maybe trim that down to a minute or 30 seconds. Now you still need to be able to hit the prescribed number of repetitions in that next exercise or that next set, and you still need to be doing it with good form, but that will keep your heart rate elevated, it will make the exercise more challenging, and something, again, you can add in. The other thing we can do is is progress the movement. And so there's always going to be a progression and a regression to every single exercise that you have. So let's take take something simple like a squat. So you could easily go into a sumo squat, you could go into a goblet squat, back squat, uh, and those are different positions where you hold the weight. You also could go into a single leg squat. 
barring again that we have the right mobility or ability to get into those positions and that we don't feel pain and we're not compensating and our form looks good, those simple progressions, and they're simple in the sense that you don't really need to change a whole lot of equipment. A lot of it can be done with just a different positioning of the weight. So going from a front rack to a back rack, um, you know, using one leg versus two legs, obviously your, your one-legged squats to start would be just body weight, but that's a really easy way to progress a movement without having to totally rewrite the book. You know, I talked a couple weeks ago that these movements, the compound movements, have been around since the test of time. So since the beginning of time. So don't try to rewrite the script and think that every single time you go out, your exercise has to be completely different. You can make these adjustments that will help you bust through plateaus, but then what they will also do too is they'll ensure that you don't get bored. Because that's the one thing I constantly hear from people is, yeah, I get it. I have to do the same thing for three or four weeks, but I need a little bit more variety. It's a very easy way, those three things in terms of controlling your tempo, playing with your rest periods, and then also progressing or regressing the movement based on what your needs are. Those are really easy ways to make a otherwise boring, and I use quotations around that, a boring workout and make it an exciting one. So we're switching gears. We'll, we'll talk about nutrition. And around this time and during the summer, obviously, you're going to have lots of barbecues to go to, parties. Fourth of July is coming up. And one of the most social things on earth is alcohol consumption. And actually, over 70% of people over the age of 18 in industrialized countries consume alcohol. So it's not just here in the United States. It's, it's, it's widespread everywhere. And... The thing we have to keep in mind, though, is that alcohol is a drug. It's the most readily accessible drug, um, but there we have to keep in mind that it does have effects on our health and on our body. Now, I'm not being a hypocrite. I consume alcohol. Um, I would say it's somewhat infrequent, but it is something that I like to do socially. You've heard me talk about uh, my favorite kinds of bourbon, so that shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone else. But just want to give you the information so you can make a educated decision on how much alcohol we should be consuming, how it affects our body, and especially how it can affect our performance and our body composition goals as well. So the first thing we have to know about alcohol is what is like a serving of alcohol. So in this case, a serving of alcohol would be a 12-ounce beer, and that's at 5% alcohol. So we're talking like your lighter beers. We're not talking those high-gravity, you know, super IPAs, which taste amazing, but they're way higher alcohol content than your regular 12-ounce beer. You're talking five ounces of wine, red, white, doesn't really matter in that case. We're just talking about the amount of alcohol that you're consuming. Three ounces of sherry or port or 1.5 ounces of liquor. So like rum, tequila, bourbon, my favorite. Those are all what we would consider a serving of alcohol. Now on the benefits side of things, it has been shown that especially people that have a risk of heart disease, that Small amounts of alcohol uh, over several times throughout the week is actually beneficial for you. And so what is a serving? Again, it's 
one half to one drink per day. So those things I just listed in terms of like I'd be having half a beer. That would be doing a half a glass of wine to one glass of wine per day or 1.5 ounces of liquor or half of that per day. Now, Again, it's not something that you need to do. There are obviously other health benefits or healthy ways of living that can help reduce the effects uh, that alcohol has on your ability to not develop heart disease, right? So, but just so you know, there are some health benefits to it. Red wine, on top of the fact that it's alcohol, also has some extra health benefits in there as well, and I'm sure that you've read about those. So what about the other end of the spectrum? What is so bad about consuming too much alcohol? So when we consume more than 50 grams of alcohol, so to do the math for you guys, that's about three or more drinks per day. You have nutrient displacement, so it becomes increasingly hard for your body to be able to absorb nutrients from the food that you're taking in. And so if you're not getting those nutrients that your body requires, even if you're eating healthy, your body will not be able to absorb it correctly, which then means it could uh cause a hazard in terms of our energy levels. It also can uh, can mean that we're going to have body dysfunction in terms of our hormonal function and a, and a host of other problems. It's also going to displace omega-3 intake. So we've talked about before how important omega-3s are for your heart, skin, nails. If Even if you're taking it as a supplement, if you're having those three drinks on top of it, it's very hard for your body to absorb that nutrient. It also is going to injure the liver. And when we're talking about the liver, I talked about how it displaces nutrients and also the omega-3s. The big thing to know about the liver is that it is basically the gatekeeper or the distributor of all nutrients that are in our body. So if you think about it, a lot of alcohol processing happens in the liver and it's also where our nutrients get derived out. So it makes sense then that when we ingest alcohol, it's harder for that liver to put those nutrients throughout our body where it needs it because it's basically doing two jobs instead of one. And I don't know about you, but the anybody that you give two jobs instead of the job they're working on, you're not going to get as much productivity out of that job than you would if you just gave them one job to do. The other thing too is you will have higher levels of oxidative stress. And we haven't touched on oxidative stress that much or stress in general, at least from the perspective of how alcohol or or ingesting something affects that. But stress causes inflammation and your inflammation response is raised when you over consume alcohol. Now there are some anti-inflammation properties that exist if you're on that smaller dose, right? If you're doing it several times throughout the week, one half drink to one drink per day. But those are some big things that can happen when we tend to overconsume alcohol. The other thing too is it affects your hormonal function, especially in men. So it causes a process where by which where it reduces testosterone and increases estrogen. So that can lead to infertility, Um, and a host of other problems that come with lower testosterone levels, especially in men. So something that you definitely want to look out for. And again, that hormonal change happens when you're over consuming that alcohol. Now, all intents and purposes, 
I'm here just to give you the information again so you can make an informed decision yourself. I'm not saying don't drink alcohol or only drink this much alcohol, but typically when I train my clients and they have alcohol in their lives, just like 70% of the people in the world do, I tell them to control their frequency over their volume. So what do I mean by that? It means that if I had an individual that said, every night after work, I have two beers. Monday through Friday, I'm not going to count the weekends. So if we do that, that's 10 beers over the course of a week. And so what I would say is, okay, Hank, we'll just use Hank as a, as a generalized name. You can have those 10 beers, but you can only have them over two days. So we're controlling the frequency over the volume. Now, two things are going to happen. Number one, metabolic rate and all those other things that we talked about in terms of having too much alcohol and how it affects your body, those are going to happen less often, which means your body's going to be absorbing nutrients more, more readily. It also means that it's not going to be affecting our hormones as much. And what's going to happen too is that you're, you actually will end up drinking less. I, I'll tell my clients all the time, I don't, I'm not saying I'm daring you to drink 10 beers over two days. Most individuals are not going to take that information and run with it and say, yep, my trainer said, my coach said I could have 10 beers over two days, but you'll end up drinking less, which the one piece we didn't talk about is how it affects your ability to maintain your body composition. So, Obviously, when we ingest alcohol, and although the studies are mixed in terms of does it actually increase weight, well, calories are coming from that alcohol in one way or another. Some are worse than others, but also, too, your inhibitions are lower when you're drinking. And so that could lead you to making some poor health decisions in terms of what we eat while we're drinking. And the other thing, too, in terms of performance is that it greatly reduces your ability to, to do protein synthesis. So if your goal is to gain muscle mass or to perform better, it greatly is going to reduce your ability to build that new lean mass. And you also will not recover from workouts as quickly as maybe you want to if we're ingesting that alcohol. So something to just keep in mind, obviously, you know, the dehydration effect of alcohol, which also would sap your performance too. But if you're going to take anything away from all the facts we just talked about, alcohol is try to control your frequency over your volume. Choose one or two days out of the week where you're going to have at least one drink. And I won't tell you, you can't have more. You're your own person, but you know the effects and what it, what it's doing to your body. So one or two days a week, this is sort of what the mantra that I live by as well. And then obviously I help my clients work through that consumption by telling them to control their frequency over their volume. So let's move into our practices for this week. And in the past, I think it was either episode one or two, I talked about the importance of quiet time. And for those of you that are just tuning in for the first time, quiet time is a predetermined amount of time that you've blocked out of your day. And typically throughout your work week, Monday through Friday is when I practice it, to sit in silence, meditate, pray, journal, read, and just let my mind prepare itself for the day. And the importance behind that is that if you were to get up and look at your phone, start shooting off text messages, and just overall start your day with a lot of stress, 
you're not going to be able to attack your day. I almost like to say that your day is happening to you versus you happening to your day. And so there's a another method or something you can add onto your quiet time that has become super effective for myself. And I can't take credit for it because I actually got it from a colleague of mine and, and a coach that I've been working with. But you guys have probably heard of creating a vision board, and that's gotten popularity over the last few years. If you type it into Pinterest or Google, you'll have a few different examples on how to build it. But essentially, the idea is is you set out at a predetermined time, so a lot of people do it during the new year, and they will put on the board pictures that identify or quotes that they identify with that are related to their future goals. Now, that could be a year out, that could be 10 years out, whatever it might be. But then they look, they place that somewhere visible, either in their office or in their bedroom, something they're going to see every single day to keep that top of mind. And so obviously during quiet time, that's something you could do is review your goals, right? Because what typically happens with New Year's resolutionists, they make a goal, they start going after it, and then they end up quitting, but they don't really know why that happened. And I think a lot of times it's because we don't keep that goal top of mind. So to add on to that, or or even to take the next step, you're going to create, or I would advocate you creating what is called a mind movie. And so what I like about the mind movie over the vision board is that the mind movie is something that you can continuously work on. You can add a little bit more elements like a song or a, a quote that somebody famous said, but it's actually the person saying it. And it's something that you can easily edit in and out. So you build out your mind movie in a PowerPoint deck. And in that PowerPoint deck, you will set out exactly what your 10-year goal is. And the reason why the coach I was working with said 10 years, he had a, a good quote from Tony Robbins. He said, most people overestimate what they can get done in a year and they greatly underestimate what they can get done in 10 years. So by planning 10 years out, you're going to basically then reverse engineer to get back down to what you're going to accomplish day in and day out in order to realize that 10-year goal. And so you'll have quotes, affirmations, you might have uh, pictures, uh, and that's what's also great about it is you can literally just go on Google, type in what you're looking for, or maybe there's a athlete or celebrity that you just connect with and believe in what they have to say, or maybe it's somebody in politics. And by doing this, what you do with it then once you're done, and I think it's something that's fluid, you continuously work on it, you're never truly done, is that you watch it every single morning. That's how you start your day. So you click through it, and you, and you just take time to reflect. You take time to look at it. And as you're looking at it, you might realize, wow, I actually have accomplished a lot of the goals in my mind movie. Time to make some new ones. Because you should always be striving to, to get to that next part or to reevaluate your goals and how they relate to what you're trying to accomplish. Because if they don't match up, well, then well, why are you doing it in the first place? And we've talked about that in terms of identifying your why. But the mind movie to me, just like the vision board, they, they serve the same purpose. But for me, the mind movie is a great thing to implement into your quiet time whenever you've scheduled that out. And again, you don't have to take 30 minutes to an hour. This could be done in 5 to 15 minutes, maybe less. 
But it's a time for you to reflect, a time for you to take stock in where you are, what you're going to do today to get you closer to that goal. And it's something that I know has helped me, and I know it's something that will help you. And again, goals is a generic term. It could be everything from relationships to careers to fitness. You can include all of those things, which would be very hard to put on a poster board. But in a, in a PowerPoint presentation, you're kind of limitless in terms of what, how much information and sort of meat you can put into that presentation. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the show today. Please make sure you tune in next week. I'll be sitting down with Nadia Cavallini. Super excited to speak with her. She's the author of the Proactive Health Solution, fitness blogger, and also fellow colleague. So please make sure you tune in then. And until next time, be kind, be humble, and work your ass off. Thanks for listening to Train, Eat, Repeat. Connect with us on Instagram at fit underscore ferrant or at traineatrepeat.co. Until next time, stay strong, stay healthy.